Hello, this is Real History with Melissa. Today is Thursday, July 13, 2023. It is the second Thursday of the month, which means I'm speaking with Neil Foster. Hello, Neil. Hello. And uh, after our technical difficulties, hello again. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have to ask how you are because between the two of us, my voice was being routed in surround sound, but not where he wanted it. (laughs) By the time he he got his stuff figured out, then my Skype had decided to reset the setting. So that was another couple minutes. But we're here and we're talking. And you were just telling me before we started recording that chickens are a lot of work. Oh, that was just a sound check. I didn't, I didn't really mean that. <laughs> no, 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 they're good. We've got, we've got uh, nine. Nine? nine oh, great. Uh, we've got three three sapphires, three red something. I can't remember the same, but And three buff Orpingtons, they're called. But uh, they've nearly doubled in size in nearly two weeks. Oh, my goodness. So uh, are, are they laying uh, already? Oh, no, no, no. No, I've got no, another okay. answer for that. But, uh, I mean, they're only little things. Yeah. Uh, we have to put them in a box at night and bring them in. And I, I put them in my little office with a little kind of grill thing on the top of the box and bring their food and whatnot. But they're getting too big for the box, so they're going to have to go outside probably later this week for their first experience of the great outdoors in the evening. Oh, wow. Which, <laughs> she, well, I mean, they've, they've got plenty of combination out there, but uh, when you let them out of the box in the morning, there's like frantic activity and excitement, and they're all very, very happy to be out. How hard is it to get them in the box? Uh, they're getting better. You, you've got, yeah. They've got to get to handling them. But uh, mm-hmm. once, once, once they're in the box, it's easier to handle them, to get them out, because they're all kind of enclosed. Mm-hmm. And you just you kind of hold on to one of them for you know a minute or so just to make it feel comfortable and you're not going to hurt it. And then you just put it down. So, yeah, you can take 10, 10, 15 minutes putting these chickens out of the box just to get them used to handling them. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're fun. They're, they're, it's, it's quite amazing. They've all got their own little personalities. It's, uh, it's quite funny to watch them. Yes, I correspond with uh, a woman who lives in Thailand, and she has chickens. She calls them her girls, which I love that. That's that's uh, that's what that's what we're calling ours as well. Paula's got them all named. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, as much as she can do, because uh, the the blue sapphire ones are kind of quite difficult to distinguish apart. But the, we've got the white ones, or the, the whitish ones, and the red ones all named because they've got kind of distinctive markings. Mm. So, I, I I know a couple of them, but uh, I don't know all their names. That sounds like fun. Well, I'm not going to eat them, so they're only for eggs, so I thought, well, she can name them this matter. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when, how how much longer till they are mature enough to lay? I think they're supposed to be full grown at three months, but uh, I don't know if they're going to lay eggs at three months, maybe six months, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll certainly get probably get eggs by the end of the year, yeah. I would imagine. How is the beekeeping going? Well, I just split my hive yesterday, so uh, that seems to have worked. The, the ones that I took out are staying in the ones they've been put in, so they, they were making another queen, so I guess they were getting ready to leave. Mm. So uh, I, got, I think I got to them just in time. But one, yeah. one got inside my bee suit. That was a bit of a... Ah! It got right, right in my my head thing. It was in there. Oh, no! Around. I was like, Paula, Paula, I've got a bee in here. You have to get this off me. Ah! <laughs> yeah. But it never sung me. It must have been a friendly one. That's good. That's good. And the garden, how's that doing? That's doing good. I've, uh, the weeding is progressing slowly, but uh, surely. I've got to do it all by hand, because if you start doing it with a whole year spread around the place, oh, yeah. you've got to put, 
cooler routes out, but uh, I've got I've got uh, big area done. It's all mulched, so uh, more to do. But it's, yeah, it's getting there. I've got more stuff to plant, so okay. I need to get that done before I plant stuff. Yeah. So all that, that sounds good. Progress, progress. Yes, yes. Not in a progressive way, just progress. <laughs> Not in a progressive way. Well, you've sent me some interesting things in the last month, actually, since we talked last, that you've been, interesting stories that you've been following. And I wanted to just say off the bat that there are some little videos that you sent. You gave me the warning. You said it's quite good information, but unfortunately, they are still buying into the whole climate change scenario. Yeah, that's but, just, just the fish at FWC, the, the fishing stuff. Yes, yeah. There, there's a, a group that are exposing, and this is what you, what I would think of as true grassroots environmentalism, which is really the only kind of environmentalism that could possibly work. And yeah. I was thinking this morning after I watched another one of those that humans, it's innate in us, I believe, to want to protect our environment. You mm -hmm. know, because we, we want clean air, we want clean water, we want good soil, that, that just seems to be, but we let all of these agencies do it for us, and then we start to trust that the agencies are doing a good job. And what these grassroots guys are doing there in Florida, it may just be one of them, but he seems to have a little bit of help. But what he's exposing is that the Florida, I don't know what the FWC stands for, is it Florida Wildlife Commission? or? I think it's the uh, I looked it up, but I can't remember now. Uh, I think it's the water, waterways uh, okay. and uh, fisheries, is it fisheries, waterways and conservation or something? Oh, something like okay. That. Well, what they're obviously d in bed with the that big agra. And so the people who are tasked, the government agency who is tasked with keeping Florida's water clean, are allowing all kinds of toxic pesticides, waste to go into the water. And so this local fellow has made it his job to expose what's going on. They're finding the fishermen that they're interviewing are discovering malformed fish, eggs mm -hmm. of uh, the this particular kind of snail that the snail kite, which is a beautiful bird, that's the only food that it eats. And the so the, the apple snail. Yeah. And what the Fish Water Conservation Board is saying, oh, we have to clean out all of this water hyacinth so that the snail kite can actually find the snails. And this guy's exposing it is the opposite that's true because the snail kites have to have water hyacinth and similar plants in order to lay their eggs. And so they show where there's water hyacinth, you have lots and lots of birds. And where there's not any kind of uh, water hyacinth or similar water plants, you have no birds. And then you've got the deformed fish, and this board is saying that they just they can't test them. Oh, we don't know how to get it tested. So it's just so much corruption, and this grassroots guy is showing, look, 
the fishermen can't find fish that are edible. They're disease-ridden. They're dying. The, we, we've, we've eliminated our source of food for the birds, so they're going away. And this is because the people that, that we think are there to protect our water and our air and our soil are all in bed with Big Agra. Well, just, just to clarify, these people have nothing to do with drinking water or anything. And uh, I just looked up the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission mm-hmm. is what they But and, and this is the people you buy your fishing license from, right? Yeah. So you, you get a fishing license, you get fresh water, uh, salt water, you can get a, a combination of the two. I, I just have fresh water. It's like $18.50 $18. for the year for a resident. But, of course, many, many people who come down here in the winter to fish are non-residents, and they pay something like $48 for the, the license just for the few months they're here mm-hmm. and so there's, there's where they're getting the bulk of their money you know maybe three times as much as they get from a resident and they're, as you say they're using that money to destroy the environment they're, they're, they're certainly not protecting it and as you say the, the water hyacinth the, the hydrilla all, all the vegetation that's in these lakes is to oxygenate the water it's to, to purify the water for the fish the other wildlife that live there the birds the snails everything and these uh, these criminals, which is what they are, they're criminals, mm-hmm. coming in and spraying toxic pesticides, uh, the equivalent of Roundup, if you like, for the, mm-hmm. the water, uh, and just killing everything. And the, the particularly disturbing one was the one with the dead alligators. I did not uh, watch that one yet. Oh, uh, uh, well, uh, oh. Basically, they, they, sprayed, they sprayed this uh, area. And this uh, Lake Rosalie, where the, did you watch the one with the fishermen? Yes. Yeah, that's the first one. That's the first one I got on. Yeah. And he, he's uh, Lake Rosalie and Lake Tiger are they're only 20 minutes from me. I've been out to Lake Rosalie, but I've not been out in the uh, the kayak yet there. But I thought I thought we'd have this conversation and perhaps you know edit some of it out, and then I could actually go and meet this guy and say you know this. We had a discussion about this after watching your video. Uh, what do you think? Kind of thing. And, and if he can get it to the guy who was doing the, the investigation, all the better. Because, uh, you know, as you say, the, it, it, I think he talked about methane, the methane that was being created because of the waste that they'd just dredged up and left in the bottom of the lakes, uh, creating all this, like, basically compost under the water, mm-hmm. uh, which, which doesn't exist naturally. All it's, all it's there is the, the, the plants die back seasonally, but not, they don't get dug up by the roots and just destroyed and left to rot. Uh, they're still they're still alive, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought we might do that if that's possible. But yeah, the the one with the the dead wildlife, there wasn't just alligators. They sprayed, and then two weeks later, this guy and these uh, the, the guys that were helping him went round, and there were still dead alligators floating all over the place, dead fish. Ah. Two weeks later, this is after the FWC had been there to clear out the dead alligators and wildlife that they created in the first place. They were still dying. And, uh, you know, I, I see alligators, right? I've been out in my kayak and seen alligators. They tend to stay away from you, although I have seen a few videos of uh, alligators attacking kayaks. But uh, there you go. We'll take my chance. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all essential for the, the ecosystem, for the environment. Right. I mean, you know, the alligator's the biggest predator in the, in the lake, obviously. But uh, they're all there for a purpose. You know, they're all there to, to maintain the lake, basically, because it's their habitat. They look after it, right? The, the actual things that are in the lake look after the lake. If you start killing off the biggest predator in the lake, then the second biggest predator is obviously going to take over. 
and that just puts it all out of kilter, and that that starts destroying the smaller, the smaller fish, and mm-hmm. on and on it, you'll have nothing left. But what what came to mind was they're doing this deliberately under the guise of you know creating waterways and making it better for boat boatmen and you know fishermen and all this, and they're going to turn around and blame them for all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and then say, well, you can't fish here anymore because the fish are inedible, blah, blah, blah. Even although a lot of people don't keep fish. I certainly wouldn't eat a fish out of those lakes. Put it that way. Our lake, fortunately, is a small lake. It's probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 times smaller than Lake Rosalie. Uh, if I was to go to Lake Rosalie, it'd take me all day to kayak across it. But I can eat the fish out of lake because they don't spray down there. And we have vegetation all, all over that lake. It's not a problem. And, and we have uh, the apple snails. Because I, I can see the eggs on the on some of the um, the water pad, the water lily pads and stuff, and the, even at the boat dock, and those the other birds that were eating them, the big brown things, mm-hmm. they just walk. They're all down there. There's plenty of them. So th- there's this really that issue down in our lake, but certainly it's uh, the other lakes in the Florida. It certainly is, and it seems to be the ones where the tourists come. Mm-hmm. Which uh, should tell you something, I think. Right, they're destroying the, the recreational activity that they come down here to enjoy in the winter. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also, too, you know, that just because you don't fish at Lake Rosalie, people should be able to fish. They should be able to eat the fish that come out of the lake. And mm-hmm. we're, so, so what we're talking about is survival. Yeah, they're, do, they're doing away with the food source. Yeah. Yeah. Deliberately. Yeah. Well, one of the I'd things that I kind of wanted to do was edit in a little bit of maybe part of one or two of that fellow who's taken them on. He calls them out. He gives them the Pinocchio Award, which is a long wooden carving of a Pinocchio nose. And he'll each little episode he does at the end, he gives it to the the liar. <laughs> well, the, the fact is, the fact that he's calling them a liar and nobody sued him. Mm-hmm. Because he's got, he's got the evidence there that it's on video. You can you can, you can show them these birds are feeding on this uh, mat. It's basically a mat of uh, these lily pads and uh, the the grasses and everything that they feed on. You can't see the water at all, you know. And uh, they're mm-hmm. trying to tell to they need open water to feed. Well, mm-hmm. the snake will come to the surface in open water. So how's that possible? But he shows this uh, with evidence, and you know. Biological studies that show that, that these, that's how these birds survive, and yet these people are supposed to be the experts, trusty experts, because uh, ordinary people don't know how these, these animals live. You know, they don't know how these creatures live. Pe- pe- somebody here, this was just, uh, this is anecdotal because uh, one of the guys I met fishing told me this, but this was just recently that somebody was caught skinning a four, a four foot long alligator or a six foot long alligator. They got four years in prison. For doing how many, that. How many years? Four years. Four years, okay. Yep, for, for skinning an alligator, right? Out of season. But the government agency can just spray them with chemicals and kill them to their heart's content. Yeah. 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 And again, you know, the, the, they have limits on how many fish you can take, which is fair enough, I understand that, because uh, you don't want the, the lake depleted, but really, that's never going to be an issue. You know that this, as I say, that lake, Lake Rosalie, is, is at least at least thirty times bigger than the lake that I go fishing on, mm-hmm. and I can, I could spend six seven hours on that lake in a kayak going going, and I, I wouldn't even get around it. Our local lake, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 
That's how big it is. And it's on a chain of lakes. It's not just one lake. They're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to, it's like it's like they say with the sea, isn't it? Oh, the sea's been overfished. Well, yeah, possibly it is in certain areas because they're going about with massive industrial trawlers and just taking everything. Um, but the amount of boats that go out on a daily basis, and it, you know, weekdays there's hardly any. It's, it's mainly a few retired people and maybe myself or one or two others, kayaks, whatever. But generally, I mean, people are taking like the needle in the haystack basically out of the lake. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, there's no way ordinary fishermen are ever going to deplete the fisheries in these lakes. No, there's no I way. Mean, it's, it's pretty clear just from taking a quick peek at this that what's depleting the fish in the lakes is the poisoning of them. Yeah, and, and the, one, the one thing that guy did say, that uh, he was talking about the fishing tournaments, and he was, he was telling the story that maybe a few years back there were the fishing competitions, you would have to have something like 40 or 50 pounds to win the tournament. I don't know what the criteria is for the tournament, so maybe the best five fish you catch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and actually, if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if a fish died that you caught, right, say, say the hook got too far down its throat or something, and, and you know, unfortunately it died, that happens, right? Um, that was taken off your toll because you killed that fish, right? Right. There's just another example of the hypocrisy, right? Yeah. But uh, he was saying 40, 50 pounds, you would have to have that to win a tournament. And now he, I think he, he, he gave an example of a, a tournament just last year or so, or whenever that video was, three years ago I think that video was, and it, it was won by £11 because the fish are so small now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not because, it's not because the, the big ones have died off, it's because they're not getting big anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's not because fish, but they could point to that and say, well, you know, you've been catching all the big fish, so there's, there's only little ones left. Well, that doesn't make sense if you think about it logically anyway. You can't right. catch every fish in the lake, you know. That's just nonsense. But they could, they could say that. We've got to stop fishing in this lake because we have to get the, the habitat back to the way it was. And then you'll never be allowed back on it. Simple That's as that. Right. Yeah. Another thing, interesting thing, I love the way the, the fellow who is really the activist who put together these videos... I liked his sense of humor because he highlighted with text every time one of the members on the panel would go, uh, um, you know. So you kept seeing this, uh, because they were simply being asked, have you tested these fish for pesticides, for toxins? Uh, well, the laboratories aren't available. Have you tested the fish to see if they have herbicide in them? That, I believe, has not been successfully accomplished. From my understanding, this, and this may be better answered by Ryan or Danielle, but my understanding is that that is a lot, that is a lot more complicated and there are not even research labs available potentially for doing certain types of, of, of work like this. Um, So these fellows went and got a dead fish, and one that was floating around gasping for air, so they weren't Cap. killing it. They took them and got them tested. It, it, they sent them off to the University of Georgia, which is the state up above Florida, and 
lo and behold, they came back with incredibly high levels of two types of, of poisons that you find in pesticides. Glyphosate, they were nominal levels of glyphosate, but the lab told them that's because, that, he said it's obvious when we look at these fish that they have had high levels of glyphosate but it doesn't stay in the system as long, and that's why the test shows low. Mm -hmm. But there were still two other poisons in there that were very high. Mm -hmm. I, can't I, I, I can't remember the names of them either at the moment, but yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's why you can't eat the fish, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, as you said, oh, they actually said they couldn't find a lab. Yes, uh, in, in, <laughs> in all of Florida. The <laughs> And all they had to do was go up to Georgia. That was mm -hmm. it. Found the one. Yeah. And, and these guys paid for it themselves. These guys paid for it themselves. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't have the big backing of the government behind them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, again, that's it's Agenda 2030, isn't it? Yes. Or Agenda 21, is. I mean. And I, I did see another one which I didn't send you. I just watched that recently. A guy way out in the middle of nowhere, in in one of these, basically in a swamp. And they came through this swamp where there's not an awful lot of like fish because it's just too congested with uh, what's naturally in the water there in the swamp, right? Mm -hmm. There's gators, there's birds, there's snakes, that kind of thing. And they came through in one of these boats and started dredging it all out. And he complained. Uh, it's private property, a tresp no trespassing signs up, and a, a perfectly reasonable guy, not not somebody who's been, you know, living in the wilderness all his life with a big long beard and a like hillbilly type of thing. Perfectly reasonable, rational guy who just liked to get away from the world, kind of thing, over weekend, you know, and and do his own thing. And he kind of ran them off briefly. And then they returned a few weeks later with uh, four armed police officers with semi-automatic rifles. And they, they continued doing what they were doing on his private property. So they don't care about your private property. Their private property rights have gone, mm -hmm. obviously, if they, and spray you with chemicals. Yeah, well, with, with armed guards. With armed guards. I don't know what these police officers were thinking of. I don't know what's going on in their heads. Uh, that, you know, it's, I, see, this is when you... Think about the idea that we're going, we're run by experts, right? And mm -hmm. we're trained that we're run by experts, and so experts are always solving problems for us. And so people get lulled into this idea, well, of course somebody's taking care of the environment, and then when liars tell you all about rising CO2 and the temperature is, you know, it, it just lying to us. People believe it because they're experts and they're trying to save the environment, and the exact opposite is true. If you look at, at, the, at what's really going on with most of these agencies that say that they're there to protect the environment, they're doing just the opposite. Well, I, I, I say to everybody, I meet, look, if, if you're, and they say to me, oh, the world's gone crazy, the world's gone crazy. And I just say, well, look, Take everything you're told by these people, the media, whoever it is, and turn it 180 degrees, and it makes mm -hmm. perfect sense. Mm -hmm. That's all you've got to do, and 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 they won't do it. <laughs> you know, they won't do it because you know it, it's like uh, if they do it, they might think, oh, oh what am I going to do now? I'm, I'm I'm in the I'm in the rabbit hole. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, I'll switch the television on. I'm sure yeah. there's something good. Yeah, forget about it. I know. Uh, I it carry on. Sorry. 
Well, I was just going to say it's a scary world when you figure out that y- you you know you're responsible. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, it's. I've told you about my t-shirts. Um, the, the one, that, strangely, the one I get the most reaction with, and I've, I've worn it twice in the last week, is all it says on it is uh, "Good people disobey bad laws," and uh, that's the one that gets the most reaction out of any of them, and uh, very positive, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, one guy in the store the other day said, "I like your t-shirt." He says, uh, "I says, well, there's plenty of bad laws, but there's actually only one law, and that's do no harm." And he kind of, he kind of looked at me, and I says, "There are a few exceptions to that. It's called self-defence." <laughs> and uh, and he kind of looked at me again and I said, well, yeah, and maybe you could put uh, revenge in there as well because if somebody comes into your house and shoots your family, you're going to want to do something about it. And, uh, you know, and he kind of looked at me and says, ah, they're really bad when the Democrats make them. And I thought, oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. I said, bad laws are bad laws. It doesn't matter who makes them. Yeah. And that, that was the end of the conversation because he obviously thought I was a Democrat. <laughs> That's the beauty of the political system is, again, Experts, in this case, your elected officials that we've decided are, you know, somehow better, or as Alan would say, they come from special wombs. Uh, You know, whatever your side is doing is good, and whatever the other side is doing is bad. It's just well, the same thing's used in war, isn't it? Uh huh. The the guys over there we are fighting, they're the bad guys. We are always the good guys. Always. Doesn't doesn't matter what we do. We're sending cluster bombs to Ukraine now. We're the good guys. Naturally. No. Yeah, they're banned, they're banned all over the world, but we're sending them to Ukraine. But we don't recommend to use them. That's that's what they're saying. We don't recommend to use them, but we're going to send them. Well, if you don't recommend to use them, don't send them. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I mean, by, you know, Biden, the way he's going, and uh, for any Trump supporters, I, I don't like him either, but he could be classed a war criminal now. He should be for sending those, uh, those banned weapons over to Ukraine. So... I don't know. I doubt it will be. Oh, well, you know, there's... I mean, nobody's ever held accountable yeah. at that level. Well, you know, I was, thinking, I was listening to your... Uh, what are they called? The Dynamic Guys. Independent Dynamics? Or mm-hmm. Dynamic Independence? Yeah, that's the one. I can never get that right. Dynamic Independence, right. Yeah, and they were talking about the uh, the white powder in the White House and all the contra- contradictory stories. Well, they're, they're all contradictory to confuse the, the whole narrative. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it'd, be, it'd be very easy to blame Hunter Biden when they're all doing it. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, that, that's, this is just theater. It's theater. Yeah. Like, like somebody's really paying Hunter Biden for anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, guy, the, the guy's got as much brains as his father. Uh, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's just an aside. But, um, yeah, these... Uh, unfortunately, like you say, these, these guys are on board with the global warming thing, and It'd be nice to just get a little sec. Maybe, maybe we could do a separate one. I don't know. And just, you know, maybe record something some other time and just do it specifically on, on those videos once you've watched them all. Mm-hmm. And maybe I could have that as a discussion on a, on a memory stick. So here, go and, go and listen to this. We're not, I'm not trying to change your mind on anything. I'm just trying to, you know, tell you there's another agenda here because you obviously understand that what they're doing is wrong. All I want to do is try and give you some context and perspective on what the reason is why they're doing it wrong. Well, you, you know, you actually gave me an idea, and that that is like a little starter pack. And I remember that Alan and I did this uh, actually for a couple of bankers in the Sudbury area. One of the, They were just completely clueless about 
bail-ins, bail-outs, haircuts, all of the things that were going on after the crash. And we just put together, uh, at that time we were using discs, little CD discs, and just like the best of Alan, who's explaining very calmly, very clearly with historical context what this agenda is about. Mm-hmm. And if there's if there's a way of reaching, you know, these guys are sincere, they want to do something to protect the lakes in Florida, they see the corruption, they see the lying, and they see the, the dead animals and diseased fish. If there's a way of showing that you support them in what they're doing, at the same time giving them a little starter pack, you know, maybe 20 minutes of an explanation of what the climate change agenda is all about, that might be a good way to help them see things from a different angle. Yeah, that's, that's, that was entirely what I was thinking. And I, yeah. I actually thought about this a long time ago. You could do that for virtually every subject. Mm-hmm. You know, and just have a, a little thing there, like, as you say, 15, 20 minutes, because that's, that's the attention span they're going to they're going to go with and uh, don't put anything too controversial in there to start with so you've got to you've got to kind of hook them and reel them in a little bit and then get them onto the next bit next bit next bit yeah, I, think, and, uh, I think it's a good idea but uh, yeah it, it's very it's very frustrating to, to see these guys doing their best and understanding that they've been lied to but not understanding why yes you know and they've got to, I mean that's the question they've got to ask like is why are you lying to us you know, at any of these meetings, it doesn't matter what what these guys say. Say they couldn't find this, they couldn't find this testing center or whatever. The question should be, why are you lying to us? And that should be yes. it. Because yeah. the, the, there's no point asking them questions that they can just run around the subject and uh, just waste the time. You know, run down the clock, as it were, and then everybody is home. No, they've got to be put on the spot. Why are you lying to us? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and that's it. And if they if they don't answer those questions, then it must strike people that uh, there's something uh, far more nefarious going on. You know, I, I say when when armed when armed cops turn up on a boat to let somebody spray poison on your land, your private property, then there's something very nefarious going on. You know, and it's not. And I mean, I would have thought that guy would have a case for saying he, he, he's, they're affecting his health. I don't know. But, uh, I, I would think so, but it's amazing how few rights that you have once you get down to testing them uh, against, mm. you know, armed goons with on an agenda, you know. Yeah, well, it's, I guess... I mean, uh, we, we saw this the last three years. It's like, you know, they're willing to just trample all over your rights. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're we're going to see that again with this uh, climate stuff because I think they're really setting us up for the the climate lockdown quicker than we thought. Actually, I think they're going to go for that pretty soon. Yeah. With all this uh, supposed wildfires and stuff like that. Absolutely. You talking about the supposed wildfires? I just got a a link sent to me from somebody in Canada day before yesterday, and I, I I should try to pull it up really quickly, but. This is a rollout of 15-minute cities at a mm-hmm. speed that you just can't believe. I mean, I, I, the, the, this is here. You've got it in Florida. We've talked about this a couple of times. But we're going to see the 15-minute city rollout happening in the next 18 to 24 months, I think, on a scale that, 
that is going to be quite quick and widespread. Yeah. Well, I mean, building so many houses around here, and I know you've said the same things going on in Texas, and of course DeSantis has said that he wants Florida to be the smartest state in America, which means 15-minute cities, no cash, you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah, you can see them building these neighborhoods, gated gated communities, but what what these people don't understand is the gates go both ways, and uh, one day they'll be locked in. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's very simple, isn't it? Oh, there'll be an over every every time I was doing deliveries. You know, if you come into one of these gated communities, you have to have a gate code to get in, and you know the customer would give you in a in a it's it's on your it's on your device, so it's private. You know, you you're the one that sees it, and you can get in. I bet you there's an override code for all of those, and somebody will come along and just say, "Well, you're in lockdown now." Beep 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 beep. That's it. Gate's not going to open, mm-hmm. and that's that's what will happen. Okay, this I just pulled this up really quickly because I, I think it's worth talking about. This is from the Waterloo region in Ontario. 14 GTA malls into tiny cities. With but, Clo- well, a mall. Go on, go on, go on. I'll tell you. With, I'll, I'll with Cloverdale leading the way, is this the solution to Toronto's housing crisis? In Brampton, Mississauga, and Toronto, close to 200 residential buildings are proposed on the sites of older, tired malls. Okay, right? So they lock us down for the last three years and got everybody used to ordering on Amazon and similar, you know, your groceries delivered. So now that the the malls are old and tired, right? Because nobody can leave the house. Mm-hmm. The new 15-minute cities will include condos, parks, recreation centers, and other amenities. This was just published on Saturday, July the 8th. It shows you a, an artist's rendering of a, a tiny little city in what was once a mall. For more than 60 years, a beige and brown and bland by today's standards, one-story shopping center has stood nestled at the corner of Highway 427 and Dundas Street West. And I can't, I'm sorry, I know I lived up there for a while, but I can't say the name of this town, but Etobicoke, I know I slaughtered it. Set on 32 acres, the mall hosts flagship tenants like Winners and abundance of mom-and-pop shops and a food court. Cloverdale Mall has served the surrounding community well, but it won't be around much longer, not in the current form anyway. Over the next decade, now believe me, Neil, this is going to go a lot faster than the next decade. Assuming the City of Toronto approves its development application, the mall is slated to undergo a massive transformation with the introduction of 10 residential towers ranging from 17 to 48 stories, 185,000 square feet of retail space, some 23,500 square feet of community amenities, including a daycare and community center, and 3.8 acres of parkland. Cloverdale is just one of 14 GTA malls developers are planning to turn into many villages. In Brampton, Mississauga, Toronto, close to 200 residential buildings are proposed. And it goes on to tell you all of the malls that are going to be made over into 15-minute cities. Yeah. Well, we've, we've got a mall down here. It's only a 10 minutes drive down uh, 27. And uh, they've just announced that that's going to be converted into living space. Really? Yeah. 
they're going to build apartments here, but I'm, I'm sure some of that mall will be left there for the the uh, the food halls and the, the grocery stores. Uh, there's a lot of land around it, and there's a lot of apartments already being built around it, and more planned. And just as a coincidence, the guy the guy who is now manager of that mall was on the city commission for many years, mm-hmm. and he and he's a nice bloke, black guy. I've had him in my house with his wife, and uh, but I wonder if he's been used, but um, with his influence with the city, but um, mm-hmm. because they've got to, they've got to get a change of use and all that kind of thing on that type of thing. And permits for changing it from commercial to residential. I wonder if he'll, his influence will be used in that. But um, yeah, that that mall it never really done that well. But uh, it used to have a pennies in there. They pulled out. It used to have a Sears down there. They pulled out. And just recently, there was a I think it was a liquor store or a beer store or something like that. And it's been there for twenty odd years. And he just raised the rent five hundred percent. Wow! So basically, forcing them out. Yes. Yeah. You know, because they've still got rights, uh, but uh, just put the price up and uh, that's it, they can't do business anymore, so mm-hmm. they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's happening here, so there you go, it's not just Canada. No. And yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very quick. And there's a place in Tampa, I'll be passing it tomorrow actually, taking Paula to her, her usual monthly appointment at the doctor. And they've got uh, a Publix on the ground floor of the apartment block. Wow. You could see it. It's a, it's a 15 minute city, and it's, mm-hmm. it's there, mm-hmm. right off the highway. You know, mm-hmm. and they've got the store, they've got the Walgreens, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's happening. It's happening now. People don't even see it. No, they don't. And and you know, it's just like having Amazon deliver everything to your house. I mean, it, everything will be sold as convenience. What you need is right here. You need groceries, you need the pharmacy, you need a clinic, you need daycare. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. Well, Wal- Walgreens, of course, is uh, closing a lot of stores in, in America. And their, their other organization in the UK, Boots the Chemist, who are part of the same company, uh, they're doing exactly the same at the same time. Isn't that amazing? That is because interesting. All, I hadn't heard that. It's all going to be online. Mm-hmm. Just order your medications online and after your online consultation with your virtual doctor. <laughs> because doctors are going to be put out of business as well. Well, at this point, Neil, I'm, I'm convinced that doctors should be put out of business, but unfortunately they'll just be morphed into the next thing. I, I was... Um, well, but, well, I'll just, I'll just stop yeah, you there. Yeah, go ahead. Paula's Paul family doctor has never given vaccines. He sends people away and tells them, well, you can, I can charge you $150, but I'm not going to do it anyway, but uh, you can get them free down the road in Walgreens, so just go down there and get it. But that's, that's, his, that's his excuse to get them out, because he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And he knows, he knows that we deal with a, you know, a, a young man who's severely autistic, and you know, we, we've made our point very clearly that he's vaccine injured, but mm-hmm. he, he won't get a conversation. But he must know something. Mm-hmm. Because he's in the business of being a doctor and, you know, he'd like to make as much money. He's got kids at college and all the rest of it. But he does not want to give vaccines. But I'm, I'm sure he must be seeing some vaccine-damaged people. So, you know. And I've said, I've said to him, we've, we've had a little conversation about things. And, uh, and I said, you know, one day they're going to put you out of business because, you know, they're going to regulate, regulate you out of business if you don't do certain things. And he kind of, he kind of agreed, but he didn't really want to talk about it mm. and he's not old you know mm-hmm. 
and he discouraged his own son from becoming a doctor. That's interesting. Yeah. The thing that put that foremost in my mind this morning, I was walking, talking with my brother early, and we just got on to the subject. I He asked who I was talking to today, and I told him about you, and I said that you have been following closely the transgender agenda, particularly as it pertained to mutilating youngsters. And we talked about that for a while, and then I said, you know, you've got doctors who are signing letters. I've seen a couple of these that have been signed by a few hundred doctors each who are saying that not to do this hormone therapy for prepubescence constitutes an, you know, cruelty, it can cause mental stress, and children will commit suicide if they're not allowed to have access to gender reassignment in a timely manner. And, you know, my brother made the point that, of course, the opposite, if you really look at the news stories and you do your homework, you find out that the opposite is true. That mm-hmm. it, so again, it's one of these things where they are liars, because yep. children and teenagers who have this, and the younger, the more likely they are to be psychologically messed up by this. And the yep. doctors have to know this. They should know from the the, horm- the hormone blockers for the start, the side effects alone, mm-hmm. it's going to cause problems. I mean, they cause depression, they cause anxiety, they cause all these things, which these children supposedly have already. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know how a five-year-old's depressed. I don't, I don't know how they work that out, you know. But um, what, one thing that struck me was uh, I, I've been I've been watching. Uh, I don't want to mention the name because some things I don't agree with them, some I do. Um, but he, he does these things uh, where he sits down in college campuses and he'll have a, a title of what he wants to talk about and it's, you know, he wants somebody to come down and discuss it with them and see if they can find common ground or whatever. And uh, okay, so he's, he's good at what he does because he has all the facts and he has them all in a folder on the, on the table ready and waiting for the people to, to look at. He doesn't look at them himself, he just has the facts in his head. He says, well, I can show you the documentation from the CDC or whoever it is, whatever subject to talk about, the gun lobby, whatever it is and the trans community and all this kind of stuff. It's more interesting, actually, to listen to what the students say because they're all talking about the same hymn sheet. They're all on the left. They're all pro this, pro that, pro all the nonsense that's going on. Mm-hmm. And they all have the same arguments. And, wh- and what, he, what he does is pretty clever. He has all the arguments that they're going to come back with already written down because he knows they're going to say it. Mm-hmm. Because they've been schooled in the schools and the universities and the colleges to come back with that reply. They're brainwashed, completely brainwashed, and that's what it shows you, that the whole academic um, industry, academia, is so corrupted and uh, brainwashed in itself that it's teaching these children absolute fallacies as fact on every subject. 
Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about, and I've seen him do some of these, uh, you know, on the campus, on the sidewalk kind of encounters, and they are interesting, and he is good at it. He's well prepared, but the trouble is, is that the solution is to vote. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the problem. He's yeah. a republic. He's yeah. a republican. That's that's the standpoint he's coming from. He's not, you know, he he does come from a like a a human standpoint, and you know. That kind of thing, but it's still from the the right of the political spectrum, and I don't know how he can't see that that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's all on YouTube, of course, which makes me wonder as well. But there you go, because he says he says things on there that wouldn't be allowed in normal circumstances. Now, and I he also went to one of the huge. Christian universities. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it's one of them that's got about thirty thousand students or larger student body. But it's. I, I also don't remember the. It might have been Falwell. I think that it's the university that Falwell started, and it's very respected. But we know that Falwell was a political player. He was really big on promoting the genesis of the what they now call the Christian right during Reagan's era, and I mean, really, what you're doing is you're politicizing people in the name of Christianity, and that's just sad. Mm. Yeah, um, it's. <laughs> Yeah, as I say, he knows what he's doing, but uh, at the same time, he seems to be very blinkered in certain respects. Mm-hmm. But what, 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 what I did find interesting in one of them, uh, well, it was, it was kind of combining two of them together. It, I did one on, uh, you know, being pro-gun and being anti-trans, and uh, the the whole thing about the transgender thing being, you know, uh, gender dysphoria as a mental illness, you know. And I'm surprised he didn't combine the two and said, "You do realise you won't be able to buy a gun, you know, because you, you've been you've been you've been uh, classed as, as I think the, in the in the law actually it says mentally defective, which sounds like a very eugenic term. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you're classed as mentally defective by a court, then you can't own a firearm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like if you're classed as mentally defective by a court back in the, the ni- early 1900s, you could be sterilised. Mm-hmm. It's the same wording. So there's a precedent, isn't it? If you're mentally defective, this can happen to you, or that can happen to you. You know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, 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 and that, <laughs> that's, that's a very um, plastic, mutable idea, too. What is this year's mental defect? Well, obviously, being a, a, truth, a truth teller. Yeah. That's, that's a mental... They, they have classed it, actually. I think I can't remember what term they used, but... Uh, People who are conspiracy theorists, I think mm-hmm, there was a term, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were uh, suffering from mental illness. Mm-hmm. So are they, going to, are they going to start taking guns off uh, so-called conspiracy theorists? Well, I you know? can see, I can see that, sure. Yeah, yeah. Which, which will prove the conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose that, that I mean, unless you've got anything to say on that subject, it kind of morphs into the. I think it was the last little video I sent you about the the man pretending to be a woman uh, oh. on the on the soapbox saying that you know rad, so-called rad, I don't know what a radical feminist is actually, but um, if you're a feminist apparently you're radical. 
today. But yeah, radical feminists should be punched in the effing face if you see one. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a on a soapbox in the middle of London to a crowd. Mm-hmm. Now, if any say say um, somebody from a far right movement. I mean, I don't know if they actually exist, but somebody purporting to be from a far right movement got up at a podium and said, "If you see anybody who's far left, punch them in the effing mouth." The police mm-hmm. would arrest them immediately. Absolutely. Immediately. Absolutely. And, and this guy, this guy pretending to be a woman, has spent 30 years in prison for kidnapping and two attempted murders. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you spend 30 years in prison, you've done something pretty bad. Now, I, I don't know what to what level these attempted murders got. I mean, were they, were they, you know, in a coma for two years or three years or something recovering? I don't know. But um, he's probably lucky they didn't die. He might have got 50 years. It's, it's not very often you hear of sentences that long. So yeah, this guy must have been something very serious, you know. So there's a guy out, outwardly advoca- inciting violence mm-hmm. who's been in prison for violence for 30 years and he's allowed to get on a soapbox in London and say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if people in that audience don't understand that that's wrong, then there's something wrong with them. They're obviously mentally ill. Well, and also, just think for a moment, if we, if we take London as an example, there have been a couple of famous soapbox cases in the last, say, half dozen years or so. One of them was a street preacher, but I think he was actually credentialed. He just liked to take his ministry to the street. And he was saying in a not hateful way, and I don't, I, I'm sure that, that, people in the gay community would say that there's no way to criticize that without being hateful. But he was simply saying that, you know, from the Christian perspective, okay, this is a sin in the eyes of God, right? Mm-hmm. That's he God's was, he, was arrest, he was arrested. Yeah. Vickers, uh, I think. English Vickers arrested. Yes, yes. And another case of someone out and about on the street, this was a woman in England who said nothing, and this was at a protest in front of a a clinic that specialized in doing abortions. She said nothing. She did not have a placard, but she prayed. In her head. In her head. She silently bowed her head and prayed, and she was arrested. Yeah, that's that's thought crime for you. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, how how could that ever stand up in court? Uh... and it doesn't matter how corrupt they are. How could that ever stand up in court? I was arrested for thinking <laughs> to myself. You know, I wasn't spreading hate or spreading to anybody else. I was thinking to myself. Well, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to think publicly anymore. That's it, uh, Neil. Uh, well, if we're not allowed to think publicly, our bodies wouldn't function at all, and we'd all be lying <laughs> in the street. You gotta, you gotta think to survive. Oh, I don't know. We walk amongst zombies every day. <laughs> They're not thinking, and they move. <laughs> Well, they're, they're thinking something, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, when, when's, when it, when, when's the next uh, installment of my brutally horrific, violent TV series on? Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> maybe maybe there's the tr- these these tranny boys are going. I didn't send you this one now. Talking about transgenders, did you see the one about the guy who is apparently breastfeeding the baby? And somebody, somebody looked him up. And I can't remember his name offhand. I don't, I don't think I sent you that one. I don't, I don't think I actually saved it. Mm-hmm. 
It's just too disgusting. He was supposedly breastfeeding a baby with this this kind of malevolent grin on his face, and obviously a man in a, mm-hmm. in a what do you call it, a bathrobe or something. Somebody looked into him, and he was he was into sexual fetishism and nipple clamps, and he was showing you how to use a nipple clamp and how, oh, if you pull it harder, you get more enjoyment out of it. And this is the guy who's having infants suck on his nipples. Now, if that's not sexual abuse of a child, I don't know what is. Mm. As I say, it's disgusting. I didn't even want to download it. I thought, I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on the... I I mentioned that I was talking about you on my walk this morning with my brother. And Mm. he told me... I had... I I was running around all morning, so I didn't have a chance to look this up. But he told me about a story of a drug. And he couldn't remember offhand what it's used for. But it has a side effect. This is a toxic side effect that it causes a secretion in the male mammary gland, a kind of a milky secretion that is toxic, right? It's a toxic byproduct. Now, I'm not saying that it would instantly poison you if you ingested it, but it's, it, this is a side effect of a drug. And my brother said that this was being touted as a way that... Man milk. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, we laugh about it. You couldn't make this up. No, Somebody's I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane, but it's also, Neil, what you're talking about is the... You're talking about a life-giving substance, part of nature, mother's milk, mm-hmm. that the infant needs. needs. And you're yeah. talking about putting an infant on a man's nipple that is secreting a toxic substance, and they're calling it good. What? This I guess is that's so really- evil, it's hard to wrap your head around. Uh. I mean, there's, there's the, the true meaning of toxic masculinity. <laughs> I tell you what, Neil, i got to hand it to you. you I, I, I think you have this in common with Alan, but you can make the most horrific, awful, insane thing. You can make me laugh when you talk about it, and that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you can. As, as I say, you know, as I say, I, I, I deliberately did not download that. Mm-hmm. Because I just, it's just too disgusting. But it, it still sticks in your mind. It's, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like um, I think you, you mentioned recently on one of your broadcasts that you'd watched something. Uh, was, it, was it a remake of Doctor something or something? It, re- it was a remake of Perry Mason on HBO. <laughs> I said on that interview that I had, no, I had gotten no further than 20 minutes into the scene before mm-hmm. or into that first episode before that scene occurred but I actually when I made the video that accompanied that I went, I was looking for it and um, that scene happened less than seven minutes now I didn't go back and watch it again I couldn't handle it but I did the research that showed me that that happened seven minutes into the pilot episode of the you know the Perry Ma- the new Perry Mason and yeah. you can't, but the, the point is not when it happened or whatever, but the point is, is that television isn't safe. It, it really isn't safe because images, no. 
images, whether you see them in a magazine or in real life or on a television show or in the movies, those that, that, that makes a groove in your brain. You'll never get that image out of your head, ever. Yeah. I, I find sometimes when I'm lying in bed and an image comes into my mind, uh, I've got to open my eyes and kind of just try and get it out of my head and then shut my eyes again, and it seems to work. Mm-hmm. But, um, you, yeah, those things stick with you. They do? You know, oh, there's no getting away from it. It's, uh, and I, I guess that's why a lot of people are screwed up. But, um, I, I think a lot, a lot of people who look at uh, this type of stuff over and over again. I don't, I don't mean the TV shows. I mean the actual, you know, whether it's child trafficking or whether it's sexual abuse of children, whatever it is. They, they go down that rabbit hole, more or less, totally. Right? They go that way and they look at all this stuff. It's, it's like I think I've heard of police officers who've been involved in that type of device angle of that, having to look at all this stuff. And it really freaking them out, and they, they end up alcoholics or taking drugs or something because they just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. It just messes with their minds too much. And as, as you say, you, you're seeing it all the time. It's in your head. I mean, if that's your job and you look at this stuff eight, ten hours a day, right, that, that's going to mess you up. That's, mm-hmm. There's no doubt. You, you can't uh, you can't live with that. Espe- mm-hmm. and, and it's especially when you get the perpetrator, you take the court, and the judge says, "Oh no, no, it's, it's just a sexual orientation." Right. I mean, what what are you supposed to do with that? How, how are you supposed to reconcile that in your head? That you, you, you're, you're a victim in that case because you, you've taken all this information into your mind and you can't get it out and this guy's just walked free. Mm-hmm. Laughing yeah. at you. Mm-hmm. Alan, uh, there was a, a story that he read. I think he actually quoted the psychiatrist at one point on a show, but he read about a criminal psychiatrist who was part of his job was to look at some of the really hard the graphic pornography that these prisoners used and he said this I I, I, he, I couldn't do it anymore it was I was tasked with this job to help me understand the mind of these people and it was warping me it was hurting me yeah. It's it's very hard to detach from this kind of sadomasochism and it, it's just you know it yeah. etches it, it etches new grooves in your brain. Yeah. I did, I did uh, a couple of uh, shows with Alan and uh, Thomas Sheridan we were just yes. discussing stuff. Well Thomas Sheridan did uh, a lot of stuff with psychopaths and mm-hmm. he he said he had to stop doing it because they were freaking him out. He said he had to stop talking to them because they were just malevolent, basically. Yes. Yeah. And he, he just he just felt that they were getting into, getting into his head because that's what they do, right? They manipulate you and, and they know how to, you know, uh, how can I touch a nerve, as it were, mm-hmm. get to you. And he said I had to stop talking to these guys. I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore. So it's, yeah. it's, it's you know it's not just it's, it's if we talk about experts, it's people who are expert in the field can't even handle it. No. Yeah, so how are the public supposed to handle it? Well, they don't handle it; they just absorb it. And, and as, as you say, that, that do they do they go and act this stuff out? Whether it's the sexual stuff or whatever they're seeing. I mean, is that the cause of marriage breakups and things like that? I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of that in it. You know, they go, they go and try out these sexual things you see on the television. The, the wife or the husband saying, oh, "Hold on a minute," you know, I didn't. You want that when I married you? What's going on? Right. It's. I mean. 
the, the thing of it is, is that it, like with medicine and saying that, uh, you know, children need to be able to have the gender reassignment discussed with them or given hormones at a very young age. It's like anything that once it's decided this is part of the agenda and we're going forward with it, then what you get is a consensus. So you can't pick up a magazine like Psychology Today without finding, okay, they're all on board with that. And if anyone, I'm thinking specifically of Judith Reisman. Did you ever look into her work? Uh, she was the one who did, I think she did a, a report on that movie, uh, 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 Grey or something, what it's called. Fifty Shades of Grey or something? Did she yes. do that? Well, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember her doing that report, but she may well have. She's passed away a couple of years ago, maybe longer now. I don't know. But she had done a lot of really great research into the effects of pornography and how pornography, it it is like any other addiction. It can lead to a need for more and more graphic and extreme forms of pornography. Well, so it's... it's it's a drug. It's it a is drug. a drug, yeah. It, it's and and but she was basically poo-pooed, dismissed from mainstream psychology, mainstream medicine. Um, she was put more or less in a conspiracy theory camp because we're not that. That's not the narrative. The narrative is that pornography is not addictive it's fun it's something that you should do and you should do it with your wife you should do it with your a stranger it's just you know it's a good thing mm-hmm. yeah i think i think she actually did uh, a report on that uh, 50 grades whatever it's called 50 shades of gray about it and, and analyzed it and they said it's all about pedophilia mm-hmm. i think on that because the 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 female character was had pigtails and the way she spoke and all this kind of thing. It was obviously a, a very young girl, and it was a she was a it was a it was about pedophilia. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I remember about that. But yeah, it's this. Um, it, <laughs> if, if I tell you what, if it, it's like cigarettes, you know, if they weren't addictive, they wouldn't be out there. And right. uh, if porn wasn't addictive, it wouldn't be all over the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, because nobody'd make any money out of it, would they? Yeah. Um, I mean, look, even if uh, you could dismiss, if you could say, if you could prove definitively that it wasn't, um, that it didn't lead to more and more uh, graphic forms, it's a tremendous time waster, right? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, right there, you're doing something authorized. Even if yeah. it didn't hurt your brain at all, even if it didn't change your values at all, you're doing an authorized pastime, and it takes you out of doing something useful. You're not going to be going down and complaining that the fish in the lake are diseased and dying. No, no. I, I, I listened to Alan's little bit on, uh, he was talking about the, the so-called, I don't know what they're called in uh, the States, the censorship people. The people that just what goes in the movies and stuff like that. The censor, censorship board, is it? I don't know. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, even even in our lifetimes, we can look at television now and go, my God, if that happened when I was a child, our parents would have complained. Oh, yeah. You know, they would have, they would have been burning the BBC at the ground. Yeah. You know, and, and you think how... It's, it's like, going back to um, 
what what uh, we were talking about with uh, Alan and uh, Thomas Sheridan. And I think one of the things I said to him back then was, when we look at black people today, and we look at black people back in the, the early 1900s, say, say, how did they go from gospel music to the garbage that they mumble out now? How, in such a short space of time, they've gone from Bible music to explicit music, which is totally anti-women. Mm-hmm. From, from, from Christian, where, you know, the women was sacrosanct, motherhood was uh, praised and, you know, worshipped, basically. Motherhood was a big thing. Uh, you know, breastfeeding the children, mother at home looking after the children, the father out working. They, they go from that to this, this gangster rap, se- sexually explicit. It's basically porn set to music. That's what yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. When I was, I was working in, in UPS, there was somebody in there, a woman, black woman, with her ghetto blaster. She was a supervisor, and she was playing all this garbage. garbage. Real loud. And I said to her, excuse me, she says, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty offensive to some people. I says, I'm, I'm a man. It's not, it's not talking about um, abusing men, but it's certainly talking about abusing women. I mean, does that not bother you? And she just shrugged her shoulders. And I thought, well, you've no respect for yourself. So, mm-hmm. Because it's black women they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, well, and white women, of course. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically porn set to what they'd like to call music. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's incredible. But, no, uh, it's be, it's because, I mean, I think to answer the question, it's because they can normalize anything, anything mm-hmm. at all, and they can do it really quickly. So, I mean, you know, a hundred years is, is nothing in their time frame. They literally can normalize anything quickly. You know, another interesting thing, I'm, I'm just going to switch the subject here a little bit, but talking about normalizing something. Uh, when I was walking and talking with my brother this morning, he, I said, well, we're, we'll, we will talk about it. We will. But I said, I, I, I just think this is a done deal, that the transgender agenda is here to stay, that it has been normalized, that the rights are being screamed for. It's like even what you, with this criminal who is calling for you to punch out the feminists, you know, it's here. And my brother made the comment, he said, no, no, I don't think so. He said, I think this is still an area where it's possible to stop this agenda. And I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, well, if you look at normalizing the gay lifestyle on television, you've got Will and Grace being probably the most popular sitcom that normalized that, that made those characters funny. He said they spent decades preparing the way for the right for homosexuals to marry right? Mm-hmm. They spent decades l- doing the groundwork on this. And he said, no sooner did they have that right locked down than they went to work on transgender. And he said, the trouble is they did not spend decades normalizing boys wanting to become girls and girls wanting to become boys. And he said, no matter how they put this across in the media and no matter how much you're going to get hit with it on YouTube or the nightly news or whatever he said average people are repulsed by this 
especially when children are involved. And he said, uh, you know, there's pushback, there's plenty of it, and this is a fight worth hanging in for. Well, it's, it's obviously a fight worth hanging in for because if you can save one child, it's worth it, right? That's true, but, you know, I mean, can you turn the whole thing around? Will we go ah. into the brave new world with that? Yeah, but it is, you know, there... You, there's no, you, you cannot fight the media. You can't fight the government. You can't fight all these people on this because you, you don't have any control over the information. That's, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. The information put out by the media is, is what people are listening to, and that's it. They won't listen to us. Maybe a few will, but uh, certainly not enough. I mean, if I go down to the, I mean, I, I sent you a thing about uh, our library. DeSantis said, as, uh, and I heard something yesterday about the schools as well, which uh, is supposed to prove the point that DeSantis is doing the right thing. He said that these, these, these books, and I picked the one, uh, Queer, I think the, the title of it is. And it's, it's basically pornography for children, is what it is. And it's very sexually explicit, uh, describing sexual acts that uh, possibly a lot of adults wouldn't do. Well, maybe a lot would, these days, who knows. Uh, they'd be watching enough pornography, they probably will. But he said that they won't be on the shelves, da 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 da, people won't be able to see them or read them. But then, if you go into my local library's search function, you find all these books are available for download with your library card. Well, you what you sent me, I plugged that in, and so I got the your local library's search mm-hmm. engine with the yep. word queer put in there, and the results that it sends back are it was more than three thousand or just under three. It was I think it was more than three thousand titles. Yeah, titles. The specific book I'm talking about was definitely there. Oh, yeah. And the specific book that you were talking about was aimed at probably that was a reading comprehension level of, you know, five or six year old. Yeah, they, they, they say young adult, but uh, they've, they've changed oh, it. Oh, come on. I saw the cover of that book. That's not a young yeah. adult. That's a child. That's a child who just learned to read. Well, you can't be a young adult. You're either an adult or you're young. <laughs> right? <laughs> you're an adult or you're a child. If you're a child, you're, an adult, you're not. But yeah, so there, there's that, and uh, I heard yesterday that the schools in Florida have to take all these books off the shelves, and they're not going to be in the classroom or the school library. But I guarantee you that these teachers are directing their children to the local library. Mm-hmm. You can download it. Mm-hmm. That's what you've got to do. You know, and they'll, they'll probably have people from the library coming to school and sign them all up for library cards. Ah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Because uh, the, the school will be telling the students, well, you know, some of the books that we discuss in the classroom, and I'm sure they are discussing them, uh, not in any explicit detail, maybe, because they want the children to go and find out for themselves, right? So they're going to make them curious. And then the li- they'll direct them towards the local library, and the children will start downloading this stuff and think, oh, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And some, some of them will be discussed, I'm sure. But if, if you're a five or six-year-old, you don't know the difference. You think that's perfectly normal because the teacher said it was okay. Mm-hmm. That, then that is it, you know. Children are, they will always trust the adults yeah. around just, them. Shh, 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 don't tell your parents. Mm. You know, don't tell the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, if parents, I, th- I think in, in terms of what your brother was saying, I think if parents actually knew what was going on in the schools, then there would be a backlash. But unfortunately, like like you say, they're, uh, they're sitting at home watching... Uh, Perry Mason remakes and thinking mm-hmm. it's wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and thinking, oh well, you know, that's that, that's normal these days. I wish it was the good old days, but we've moved on since then. We're progressive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, what's 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 the opposite of progressive? 
you know, because uh, again, it's 180 degrees, right? There's nothing progressive about this. The progress, progress is supposed to achieve something which is uh, better than it was before. That's, that's my thinking of what uh, progressing means. You know? Well, I, th- I think in this in this world, progress means you're we're progressing towards the chaos that's the intended yeah. result. Yeah. <laughs> Is it regress? I don't know. No, no regress. I think that would be regress, or I digress. No, I think regress would be the opposite of progress. Yeah. 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 It's certainly not Congress. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 word, the, the first thing let us tell you what that's about. Yeah. 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 Well, is there any other thing on our mind? I don't know. I'd have to it, because it's been a month. It's uh, I sent you a few things. I have to kind of remember what I sent. But um, I mean, we've got the the usual government reports prove COVID vaccines killing people. Uh, but then we knew that all the time, right? Yeah. Oh, one yeah, one thing I, I did. Uh, I, I didn't send it to you. I just heard about this uh, yesterday or the day before. Remember the guy who was uh, apparently locked out of some of his systems in his house because of somebody apparently said a racial thing through his Alexa? Yes. Yeah. Right. There's a, there's a, I can't remember the name of the town either. They're going to build a whole new neighborhood in Florida and Alexa's going to be built into the structure and every, and every home. What a bonus, right? Oh, if people, <laughs> but, but, you know, Neil, people will love it. It's so easy. Every room in your house is going to be bugging you. Uh, Fantastic, including your bedroom. I guess, I guess it will take movies as well if you want. Uh, you can you can act, you can be your own Perry Mason and co, and uh, do your thing for Alexa. Uh, you know? what a world. Yeah, what a world indeed. I was I was actually I was in um, I was in the local DIY store. Not a local one. It's a corporation, of course. The only place you can get things these days. And I went, I went to the, the checkout and I said, are the checkouts not open? This was, this is quite early. I mean, you know, in fairness, if I go into a store at six or seven in the morning, I don't expect a, a big store to have checkouts open, right? I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, okay, if there's one open, good. If there's not, there's not. I went into one store and got some stuff and I was out there and I says, and I started talking about a local Walmart here and I said, you know what? I says, uh, and I think I told you this, that people have been complaining about it for a long, long time and they've got checkouts open all the time now. Like, Eight or nine of them. Every single checkout opened in some some cases. This is mm-hmm. whole store was refurbished just before COVID hit, which tells you something. And they had they had nine man checkouts at that time, and they cut them down to five. And then just recently again, they refurbished all that area again. This must cost a lot of money for every store that they're doing. And uh, I guess it's tax write off. They made these self checkout kind of dual use, so they could be manned as well. So they must have been expecting a backlash, and they got it. So now there's eight or nine of these things open all the time. Oh, that's interesting. And I, and I said to the guy in uh, the store, it was Lowe's, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, I told him that story about uh, Walmart. I said, that's what needs to happen here. I said, the biggest word in any, any language is no. And he kind of chuckled. And then we got into conversation, you know, got into conversation about kind of everything. I said, uh, and by the way, I want to pay cash here, so can I put cash in this thing? He says, yeah, yeah, you just put it in the slot there. You know, I said, okay. I says, well, give me the right change. He says, I don't know about that. I says, well, neither do I. That's why, that's why I don't like using them. And, uh, and I says, and by the way, they put people out of jobs. And that's, that's, that's predominantly why I don't use them. And I'm not going to be told, you know, that I can't deal with a human being. So I was talking to him and then we got on to doing a bit. I says, one day, one day I won't have cash to put in this because I want to do away with cash. And I say, you know, I heard that. I heard that. And I says, and there goes, there goes your privacy. You know, there goes your freedom. And he kind of, he, he'd obviously heard something about it. He's an older guy. 
-hmm. And he was, he, was he was clearly interested in talking about it, so we stood there for about 20 minutes having a discussion about 15-minute cities in the cashless society, and I told him about, about the, the uh, programmable currency and stuff like that. You know, I said, you know, you've got a heart condition, you go, and, go into the store to buy some red meat, you ain't getting it. And it, you won't even have to give them an ID card or anything like that. It says, uh, your, face will, your face is your ID. That's it. Done. Mm -hmm. You might not even get the store. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So, uh, and I was saying all this, and like, as I say, I stood, I stood, it, took him, it took me longer to speak to him than it did to buy the stuff I was buying, which was <laughs> well, good. That's good. I, well, I mean, there, there are two things. So I, I know a, a fellow who, if he goes in to a store and sees that they, there are no manned registers and it's all self-checkout, he'll ask the manager to go find a cashier. And they'll mm -hmm. say, no, we just have self-checkout. And he said, well, I tell you what, I'll check myself out when you start paying me. Mm -hmm. A lot of people but, have said that. Yeah. yeah. And then... But that's but, not, the, that's not no, the point either. No. Suddenly, if they turn around and say, we'll give you a 5% discount, people will accept okay. that as payment. Exactly. Yeah, they, they will. They will. So I, I, I can see them doing that as well. Sure. I can see them doing the incentive. Yeah. You know, but, uh, I mean, every one of the, um, that's a, it's a t-shirt I'm actually going to get made. I'm going to put uh, self-checkout cost jobs, don't use them. And I'm going to walk around the stores with that one and uh, see what people say. But uh, uh, That's a good one. Um, you just reminded me, too that the World Economic Forum has a, an, a relatively new little division called the New Champions. And this is, yeah, yeah, I, like, right. yeah. Well, did you see that talk called The Future of Money? I, I can't remember the gentleman's first name, but his last name is Prasad, and he's a thinker about money, and he delivered about a 30-minute talk at this forum. And the last three minutes are a mu must watch because in that last three minutes, he tells the audience, quite matter of factly, uh, just real straightforward, this can be used for coercion and social control. Uh, he, he, he doesn't use that word, those words, but that's what he's describing. He said mm -hmm. that, you know, it's really wonderful because you can just cut somebody's digital currency off, you know, if sort of carbon footprint's too big or something like, you know. Yeah, Ezra Prasad, the future of money. Yes. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon, right, with digital currency. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, purchasing that one and supporting his I, cause. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, let's have a look at the videos there. The video's probably there as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yes, yeah, an hour and 26 minutes long. Well, this this little clip that he was doing, it's about 30 minutes. He talked for about 20 minutes, and then they took Q&A from the audience for another 10 minutes or so. And it was at that last bit he got a question, and it was in the very last three minutes of that 30 okay. or 32-minute segment that he I think it was actually 35 minutes. So if you hit it at 32, you're going to hear him say in under three minutes just how digital currency will be used to control your behavior. Well, I, th I think the guy at uh, the Bank for International Settlement said the same thing. He was yes. saying, we need yeah. to know who's, who's using a 100 peso note, we need to use a $100 bill. And the first thing that people should think is, why do you need to know? Mm -hmm. What business is yours? But uh, it just goes right over the head and they think, oh, well, he's not talking about us. He's talking no. about terrorists. Talking terrorists, about terrorists, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, I've got a news flash for you. We're the terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, go back to what I said about the guns. I mean, they can class as anything they want and class that as a mental illness, and there you are. We're coming for your guns, right? Yeah, yeah. 
but um, there was something, something about that. Uh, I think it was the uh, the red flag laws that uh, were supposedly going through. And basically, anybody anybody can complain about you. It's, it's going to be like the Soviet Union or 1984. Anybody can complain about you maliciously and say you're acting irrational or whatever, and the, the cops will come around, take your guns off you, and uh, no charge, nothing like that. And maybe six months down the, the road, they'll take you to court to see if you're mentally defective. And if uh, if you're not, they might give you your guns back, and they might not. Well, that's theft, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, you know, I wonder if I wonder if they go around to the person who made the original complaint and arrest them for being mentally defective for making the complaint in the first place. No, <laughs> it's not. But uh, there you go. I so, think this is great. We we will be talking again on the 10th of August is when that will go up. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be interesting to do a. Maybe just as a, as a kind of Q&A type of thing, maybe we can have some questions scripted and either you answer them or I answer them. Or we do, we do a Q&A, I'll have a few questions for you, you have a few for me, and we can try and frame it in the, the context of Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, with a view of giving it to these guys and saying, look, this, this is a bigger, bigger issue than you think. You, you know these people are lying to you, you don't know why they're lying to you. And that's okay. the issue. Yeah, that I like to- that. I like that. We'll do that, and and why don't we do that for the next one, and so that it it will be a good, not just something that we're giving these activists, but it will also be a good way for anybody who's listening to real history to have a clear and concise conversation with anybody about climate change and Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, these just laid out really uh, Yeah, I mean... Yes, I mean you mentioned earlier that, uh, that you know the, the fishermen that care about the environment and they, you know, it, it benefits them to look after it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I met a couple of homeless people down at the, the uh, local boat ramp here where I go fishing occasionally when I'm not in the kayak. You know, I got talking to them. I didn't ask them why they were homeless or getting into that personal stuff. But uh, I was catching some fish and he says, uh, "Are you keeping them?" I said, "I ain't keeping these fish today. They're a little bit small for me. I wouldn't take these." I says, "I, I don't keep anything over eight inches, so." You know, he says, well, if you get any over eight inches, can I have them? And I says, yeah, sure. I say, I'll help you out. So I, I caught a few, gave them some. And then a couple of days later, he's back. He says, uh, are, you, are you still catching those? Because uh, I've got a guy to buy them off me. And I thought, all right. And he was going to he was going to pay me 50 cent a fish or something, and he was getting 150 or something for this guy. And I said, I don't want your money. I said, I'm just, you know, if I catch them, I'll give you them. That's it, and help you out. And then maybe a week later, he was he was on the boat ramp with me and uh, he caught a few fish from us he said I ain't keeping any fish I've got plenty in the freezer and uh, he had a big bucket load like maybe 15-20 fish and I went back the next morning and that bucket was sitting on the boat pier full of dead fish covered in flies and everything oh, and I've never, no. I've never spoken to the guy since and he's never uh, approached me since and, uh, and then then the day after or the couple of days after I went down with one of these litter picker things and I picked up every piece of garbage down there that they had left there He's homeless. And I guess they're homeless for a reason, right? Uh, if they're that way inclined. And I picked up a little bit of garbage and one of the local fishermen came down that I talked to on a regular basis. And uh, he said, that's oh, doing clean down here. And I says, yeah, I picked up every piece of garbage here yesterday. I said, a full garbage bag. Yeah. Like a big one. Like yeah. one of these wheelie size. And yeah. I said, I picked it. And uh, I says, uh, hopefully it stays that way. But I came down here this morning and there's some more there. So, yeah. Oh, that's so, sad. I, that's a sad yeah, thing. Gen- Gen- general people, I mean, general people who, who, you know, see fishing as a, 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 a you know, 
a recreational activity and understand that they need the environment to make that uh, mm -hmm. enjoyable. Mm -hmm. uh, they care, but these other people, those people out there who don't give a damn what they do, what damage to do, and that that goes into obviously the FWC because you know I don't know again it, it, like like the doctors doing the trans surgery. How can these guys go home and sleep at night knowing exactly what they're doing? Mm. I mean, if you if you you know they say if you go on whether it's YouTube and you put up a uh, a video of a fluffy kitten, it will get a million views. You you put up a, a dead alligator, I, I doubt it'll get much attention. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, yep. We have selective um, empathy or se selective compassion, selective consideration. Yeah, I mean, most people here are, you know, wary enough of alligators. And uh, actually, when I was out at Lake Rosalie, it makes me a bit sceptical about going out there in the kayak. There's the biggest alligator I've ever seen in my life, and it was maybe 50, 60 yards off the off the boat ramp. Uh, the kind of area where I take the kayak, and this thing was out of the water eating a, a big bass. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think that Lake Rosalie requires a bigger boat. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to eat fish out of there anyway, so I don't see really much point in going there. Yeah. You know, so that's that. Anyway. Well, that, it's that. been great to to talk again, and um, we'll let's uh, spend the next few weeks getting something organized on that show. And thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I watch those videos again and uh, take some notes and uh, get some, try and get some questions put together that we could put to them, which will make them think. Okay, I'll do the same. And we'll, I'm, what I'll do is I'm going to share all of the links to those videos as well as some of the other things that we talked about. And I may, like I said, incorporate a little bit of the fellow talking, giving the Pinocchio award to the liars and describing just what really goes on in nature. And yeah. um, I will, we'll, we'll talk again in a month. Yeah, you can, I mean, you could put that link into my local library, I don't mind. I don't, I don't care that people know where to live. If you need to for that book, if they want to actually see the evidence that is there. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, I guess they, they could try their own local library. Just put it, put it in there, I'm sure it's in there as well. All right, well, this is great, Neil. Thank you. Welcome. Our technical hitches we got over after about yeah, an hour. We, we got go. through it. That's it. That's great. Okay. Thanks so much, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. You too. All right. And, and everybody listening, next week I am going to be back with a gentleman named Osman. And that, that's going to be an interesting, very different talk than, than what you just heard today. So... Looking forward to that. Thank you. Well, I've got something that the world didn't give me, and the world cannot take it away.